You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast, episode 484. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP484. there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing or your partner asks what's bothering you and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Well, hello, pod people. Amy here, and I hope you are having a beautiful start to your week so far. And I am excited to be kicking off a brand new mini series. So, if you're new to the show, I typically do a couple of episodes, usually like around three or so, sometimes more, sometimes less, around one specific topic. Sometimes I will sound off on things and then Other times, I will dial up an expert to get their perspective. So today, I'm going to be dialing up a pal of mine named Suzanne Falter, and she is just a brilliant, brilliant healer. And this particular series that we're kicking off today is going to be around spirituality and looking at various modalities that help cultivate spiritual self. We're going to be talking about the four clairs, clairvoyance, claircognizance, clairsentience, and clairaudience, which are, as I mentioned, commonly referred to as the four clairs. We're going to be talking to folks who are mediums, who do energy healings, who do all sorts of different things. So if you are interested in the woo, you will definitely want to hang out for this series. If you missed our series that we just completed, I highly suggest you check it out. And I had two different conversations. This was a much smaller series. I had two different conversations about addiction. One with uh, a dear friend, Laura Cathcart-Robbins, who shares her story of taking up to 10 Ambien a day while drinking a shit ton of vodka on top of that and what her journey to recovery looks like. And then last week, I chatted with Annie Grace, who has really been a huge pioneer in the alcohol-free movement. So if you are, you know, kind of wondering if you have control over your substances or if they have control over you, you might want to check out those two episodes. So let me tell you a little bit about Suzanne before I give her a call. Hopefully, I'm able to catch her. She has just recently written one one of very many books. She has, gosh, I want to say like 14 different books, something like that. But her most recent highlights her journey dealing with her daughter, Teal, passing away. And so the book is called Free Spirited, How My Daughter Healed Me from the Afterlife. Suzanne is an intuitive healer who helps people suffering from upset, confusion, and stress. 
She too has a podcast that I've been on as well, and it is called Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women, Hello, where she brings better self-care to thousands of busy people each week in over 98 countries around the globe. So she's been around the block a few times, and there are certainly so many lessons that we can learn from her. I had the great fortune of experiencing a healing from Suzanne, and she kind of blended her Claire cognizance with uh, some tarot readings and messages that she felt she was getting from her spirit guides, including her daughter Teal, and it was really pretty magical. I brought to the healing some stuff that I wanted clarity around that I felt really stuck in, and through my time with Suzanne in just one session, she was able to help me unlock a couple of things that felt really stuck and I gained a shit ton more clarity and I kind of knew exactly what I needed to do as far as my next action steps. So if our chat today resonates with you, please check her out in my uh, show notes for the podcast. And she is very easily accessible and I just think she's a fantastic individual. So let's give her a call and see if we can catch her and hear a little bit more about her story. Hello, Suzanne. Hey, it's Amy. Amy. Amy Green Smith. Yes. That, that Amy Green Smith. <laughs> yes. Whoa. How are you? How are okay, you? Okay, okay, okay. I was just channeling. My spirit guide said, Amy's going to call you. Just fasten your seatbelt. Oh, good. So, okay. So I caught you at a good time then. Yeah, yeah, totally. Let's do it. Okay, sweet, because I've been hanging out over here with the audience, and we've been talking about all things spirituality, connecting with uh, the afterlife, and I thought, okay, I've got to call Suzanne, because she... You have a doozy of a story to tell us, but also <laughs> a really incredible skill set and uh, sort of acknowledgement of a gift that you've kind of come into that I think would be really, really helpful to share with people. So I I know you have this quote in your book, and this is what I want to start off with. This is what you say. First, she would have to die. Then I would as well. So we'd both be reborn in completely different ways. The path to the true magnificence had already begun. This is a story about the loss of your daughter. Yes, yes, yes. And that's one of those sort of pivot points in the book for me. Writing this book was the most intensely spiritual experience of my life, except perhaps for the death of my daughter, which was just, um, I better tell that story so people know what I'm talking about. Okay, so 10 years ago, my 22-year-old daughter, Teal, dropped dead from a medically unexplainable cardiac arrest. And she had epilepsy, well-controlled case, but this was not something that happens to epileptics, generally speaking, Mm -hmm. at all. This was something else. At the time, I was just this, you know, kind of crazed, driven workaholic. My life really didn't work. You know, I was, I had moved to San Francisco, come out, changed my whole life, and I was living in this apartment I hated in a toxic relationship. You know, I had just moved out to join her um, across the bay. All of a sudden that relationship fell apart. So I 
I had no home and no relationship. But then my business was so gangbusters and intense that I burned out on it and closed that down. So I had no business. And then a month later, my daughter died. So everything kind of imploded that I knew as the life I was building for myself two years into living in the Bay Area. I was driving around in my little car with my suitcases and my laptop and my pillow. And I was, you know, sort of trying to figure out where to land. You know, I was I had dinner with Teal. Uh, Teal had come out to the Bay to join me. And her intention was to become a healer. She really believed she was meant to be a healer. And she had given up a budding career as a blues singer that mm. she'd gone to Berkeley College of Music for and was a damn good singer. Um, she had left Austin, Texas and moved to the Bay to pursue this learning to become a healer. Mm -hmm. And she collapsed the day before she was to begin taking classes at City College in San Francisco mm -hmm. uh, to become a healer. Really weird thing is that all of a sudden, two hours after we have dinner, and we had had dinner in this restaurant where we were uh, listening to a talk about shamanism. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the speaker kept saying, shamans connect the waking world with the afterlife. And every time he said that, she swiveled in her seat and stared at me super intensely, like, are you getting this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Why are you being so weird? Wow. Well, two hours later, I get this call from San Francisco General that she's gone home and collapsed from this cardiac arrest. Total wow. shock. There was absolutely no anticipation this might happen. It was uh, it was an experience that woke me up to, first of all, how short life is and how fragile life is. But secondly, to my own dysfunction and a real awareness of just how broken my life was as this driven workaholic doing work I didn't even like. And suddenly I had nothing. I mean, I had some money in the bank and I didn't even have friends, Amy, because yeah. I had come to the Bay and worked all the time and not bothered to make friends. Didn't think I needed them. I was a solo, solo act, you know, Sure. within my dysfunctional relationship, <laughs> which right. kind of tells you about that too. I got to the hospital. I went into her hospital room in the ICU she was co totally covered with wraps and wires and monitors and you know, like every inch of her was covered and they were trying to keep her alive. They restarted her heart, but she was in a coma and never regained consciousness. And in that moment, I looked at her and I really clearly knew that my whole life had to change to become a better person, to be somebody like her. And she was, as the title of the book says, a free spirit. She mm -hmm. was not somebody who was a worrier. She wasn't driven by so much ambition. You know, she was really like a mellow, very present person whose greatest love was other people. And she went all over the world with her little guitar. She'd go to an airport with some money in her pocket from waitressing and she'd, you know, pick a destination and just go. Yeah. And she just loved people. And she wanted to go all over the world playing music for people on the street, which is what she had done. And now it was phase two healing. Well, there was a there was an interesting story that you tell in your book that I think really illuminates sort of the dichotomy between the world that Teal was operating in a, just a very kind of evolved next level place that she seemed to just have a, a really 
kind of otherworldly understanding of juxtaposed against you with this hustle culture and this individuality. I don't need anyone else. And you tell a story about her basically mandating that you watch a sunset. <laughs> can you can you share that story a little bit? Because I think that illustrates what you're talking about here. It so does. It so does. I was in my apartment in San Francisco, which I had rented because it had this stunning view. It had a 180 degree view all the way from the Bay Bridge across San Francisco to see the edge of the Golden Gate on the other side of the apartment. And you could stand in the living room with these two big bay windows and really take it in. And, you know, the city is a beautiful place to live, even with its issues. Every night, you know, I faced the sunset. And the fog would come rolling in and it would turn purple or pink. And the sunset was just spectacular. Did I ever watch it? Not really. (laughs) I was much too busy. I, I was an achiever and I had to do, do, do and go, go, go. Because in my mind, I really wasn't enough. I I was scrambling to compensate for this flawed loser that I secretly was. You know, it's kind of imposter syndrome on steroids to some degree. Mm -hmm. Teal was staying with me, looked out the window and went, whoa, sunset. And she made me stop. It's one of the early stories in the book. And she forced me to stop and watch the sunset. And what was really funny is she was on the way out. She said, I'll be checking in. Yeah. So (laughs) I... I was in the middle of moving out because I was going to move in with my girlfriend, my new mm. partner. And I was all excited, even though that was the most flawed relationship on the planet. And I had no business moving in with this person. I didn't really want to leave San Francisco, but I was leaving. And, uh, you know, I had already given notice on the apartment. I was packing things up and I was like, much too busy to just watch a sunset. Well, anyway, I watched it. And what do you do when you slow down? Well, you stop and think. Mm-hmm. You become connected to what your body is telling you, what your emotions are telling you. You begin to understand that you are really hurting and that you need help. But I was too afraid to get that message because I had committed to make this move. I had just given up my home. I was scared. It was really scary to make those changes. So, you know. Now I have to sit and watch a sunset. I watched it and I was absolutely, it was just breathtaking. I was just in marvel at what was Mm -hmm. so beautiful. And I felt such sadness that I had detached myself from my life so dramatically. I'd begun to get a hint, just a hint of all the things that were not working for me in my life. And Teal called as soon as it was over. She's out on the street. She's doing an errand. Okay. Did you do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Teal. What'd you think? Because she was excited about it. Because she too loved watching the sunset. What you're also highlighting here is is a concept that I like to call the cognitive override, where you've got these intuitive hits, right? Like you had an inkling of uh, shit's not going the best. Uh, maybe this person isn't the best for me to go move in with. I really would prefer to stay in San Francisco, but then we cognitively override it. 
And we, because we're not taught to foster our intuition, we're not taught to foster our spiritual self or, you know, connect with our spirit guides. We, we focus on logic and reason and rationale. And, and I definitely think those have a place, but I'm really curious what this looked like for you coming from being so driven, so uh, and that I think will really hit home to a lot of folks listening. We've got a lot of recovering perfectionists and people pleasers mm-hmm. and type A <laughs> and overachievers and and all of that listening to the show that I know you've talked very openly about, yeah, I'm very pragmatic and, you know, more scientific based and very logical. And holy shit, now I'm being asked to really foster this spiritual element of who I am. Talk to us about what that looked like with the the six days that Teal was in a coma and you started getting visions. Was that the first time that that had happened for you or was that brand new? No. And here's the crazy thing. You know, in my life, I had in my early 20s, maybe 40 years No, I guess by then it was 30 years earlier. I had worked for a year as a trance channeler. I had received mm. messages for people through my body. I had received energies coming into my body. And I had been a big meditator. Wow. And this this gift just came to me. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing was, you know, at the time I was working with a psychic and I was like, I'm not marketing this thing. If, if higher power or spirit wants me to do this, they're going to have to send me people. So I get home and I get a phone call and it's somebody who's like, well, I hear you do this energy work. <laughs> and you're like, well, I guess I'm being called. Uh, yes, exactly. So I just went with it and suddenly I was making a living doing this. And it came uh, very suddenly and then it went very suddenly. There was a reading one day about a year later where I felt uh, my personality, my ego override the messages I was getting. And I felt like I was no longer qualified to do this. I I couldn't be trusted with the energy. I switched over writing books, which is what I was really being guided to do. But my spirit guide said to me very clearly, "You'll, you'll do this. You know, you won't do this again exactly, but this is showing you what's possible. Flash forward 30 years and I'm in California and I'm burned out as a bleh internet marketing executive or an internet marketing coach. And it was totally not the work I was supposed to be doing. It was, it was, you know, connecting to a set of values that were not my own. And I had forgotten. I had done that work for eight years and I had totally forgotten who I had been. Yeah. And I had been um very spiritually oriented. So the crazy thing was, and I mentioned this in the book, I, I had progressed to become a spiritual marketing consultant. And I didn't know what that meant, but it sold and people wanted it. So why not? And, you know, I just, I had, lo- I had lost my sense of who I was. So in the moment of that sunrise and particular uh, sunset, and in the moment of that experience until that first moment until hospital room, I began to remember who I had been during the six day period where she was in a coma, never came out of it. Sitting by her bedside, I began to have real understandings of the deeper implications of her death. Two nights after she collapsed, I woke up in a hotel room with her energy all around me. Mm. And, you know, it had, uh, and 
continues to sometimes have this very sort of sparkly, effervescent, tingly quality to it, this energy. And I remembered, oh, that's right. I can receive energy. I know how to do this. And here was Teal saying to me, well, uh, hi. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, is that you? And she's like, yeah, I'm here. And I said, "Um, well, what's happening? What's going on? And she said, mom, don't rush me. (laughs) And I was hurrying her all the time as a kid. So it was perfect. She would say, she would lead by saying, don't rush me. And then she said uh, this beautiful thing, which is I'm integrating my heart and my soul, you know, because I said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to die? No, I'm, I'm not sure yet. I'm integrating my heart and my soul. I had no idea what that meant. It took me a long time to even begin to understand that. In the end, I was left with reassurance that I could connect to her. Two days after that, as I was sitting by her bedside, in the hospital, I had an overwhelming sense that she was leaving her body and kept alive and life support at that point. You know, her heart was being mechanically pumped and her her um, brain function was still a little bit there. But basically, um, they were trying to determine if her brain was so damaged she could never recover. And they wouldn't know that for six days. So there we were. So her heart was being, you know, pumped and her brain was kind of there, but kind of not, you know, it was really unclear what was happening, but she wasn't technically dead. It's just that I felt her spirit lift out of her body and I felt this huge loving whoosh of energy and I walked out into the hospital. I took a break and I walked out into the hospital And this was San Francisco General, which is peopled with all kinds of people from unsheltered people to med students to huge families to, you know, people who don't speak English. It's like everybody's there. I looked around at all these people and I could feel into their energy. I could feel what was going on in their minds. I could feel how anxious they were. I had this deep gift of compassion. Take note when Teal was born. I had the same experience. And I at that time, I was given morphine. And, um, you know, the nurses told me I was allergic to it, which is why I was seeing everybody's aura and, and understanding that the oh, night wow. nurse had just had a huge fight with her husband. And that's why she was being so, you know, snarky, whatever. It was like, I could just see and feel what everybody was going through, which gave me, it was like a super download of compassion. Now, Teal's nickname among her friends was Quan Yin for the goddess of compassion because she was so deeply compassionate and she cared so much about other people. It was actually somewhat disabling because she felt life so deeply. Some would say 22 years was all she could really handle, you know? Wow. Okay. So I... I want to tell you, I, I don't think you know this about me, but I, about 15 years, I guess it's almost 16 years ago, I was with my dad when he passed. Oh. And so I know exactly what you're talking about of the, the intimacy that happens when you witness a soul leave a body. And so I have this theory and I'm really curious, I I have a feeling that you would agree based off of what you just said, 
I'm not a mom, so I have not experienced the process of bringing a life into this world. But because I was with my dad when he passed, I experienced that transition from here's a body that has a soul and then here's one that's just a vessel, right? And almost like the the soul is leaving. The way that I I thought about it at the time was yes, as far as like the spectrum of human emotion, this is definitely the most sorrowful, the depths of despair, the saddest that I've ever, you know, felt. And at the same time, it was unbelievably beautiful and intimate. Like Mm -hmm. the idea that I got to experience seeing that happen or feeling that happen. I'm like, what a fucking intimate experience. So then Mm -hmm. it got me thinking, I bet this is what a lot of women are talking about or those who have uteruses that what they're talking about when they give birth. And it's so fucking magical to witness a soul enter our realm. Right. Right, Like, right. Right. But I would, I would correct you there and say that's true for those without uteruses too. Everybody in the room is completely taken. And, and, you know, the professionals, they're all keeping it under wraps, but (laughs) I think the um, coming in of a new soul and a new life is such a breathtaking experience. You just can't help but be blown away by it. You know? And I think it's the opposite end of that spectrum of emotion. So rather than residing in the depths of despair, now you're in sort of this euphoria, mm-hmm. right? But they're both intimate. Yeah. And, you know, my son... <laughs> he and I debate whether he really said this or not, but I could swear he said at the time of her death, everyone should experience this because it's such oh, wow. a profound moment. It's a it's like a 40,000 foot moment where you look out on the whole breadth of life and you understand so much about what's possible, what is what is life. You understand what is life and you begin to see how wasted so much of it can be or how tangled up so much of it can be. You know, Teal, I connected with Teal's spirit many, many, many times and continue to uh, from the afterlife. And one of the things she said to me when I was, you know, worrying, I, I felt very guilty that that dinner, when she was acting a little bit weird, I didn't offer to take her right to the emergency room because she was maybe having, you know, absent sure. seizures or something. She said to me, oh, mom, you and your worrying mind, what happened to me when I left my body and I lifted out of it is I could see how magnificent life was and what a precious gift it is. I could really see it. And it's almost like we're witnessing our loved one having that experience. Just this morning, I got an email from somebody who said they watched their own father die. And he had been very, very, you know, barely moving for several days. And all of a sudden, he kind of leaned forward as if he saw something right in front of him. And then in that moment, she saw a diaphanous, vaporous cloud just materialize and move right out the door. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, soul energy is, you know, my experience is it's real. 
and okay. it's and and what's real <laughs> that's the other thing it's like who are we to define what's real and what's not real but in my lived experience it's something i can wrap my head around it's something i i feel i've experienced in my body to the point where you know i have had i've been overtaken by this sort of silvery little laugh uh, that I yes. identify as coming from teal and and it seems to be in confirmation of some things that are said uh, when I talk to people and they're having kind of an aha moment or whatever. You know, it doesn't happen so much as it used to, but man, it was on like 24-7. <laughs> and my son, I remember my son saying to her, to me, tell her to keep it down. You know? <laughs> well, oh, I, there's, so, <laughs> there's so many things that I love about this. Uh, I too have had a lot of connections with my dad since he's mm. passed. And there was, there was so much peace around the idea for me, oh, we're just not on the same plane of existence anymore. It's not that yeah. we're, we're gone or I can't, commune with you. It's just that you won't have a body to do that with. Having those visits and that those experiences, I think, and he was very clear, like I show up to Amy because Amy can handle it. And uh, the rest of my family, I don't think were open and there was they were really shrouded in a lot of faith traditions and religious dogma that wasn't going to allow that to be possible. You've talked a lot about how you had to surrender to this gift. And I'm really curious what that looks like for you now. Like what because I understand you do healings for people and you've gotten more surrendered to that gift, I guess, or mm -hmm. that ability. And and I've also heard folks who are in similar situations to you say that everyone can do it. And I'm like, oh my God, tell me how then. Because Well, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. it. It's all, you know, my message ever since I came to the Bay Area has been surrender, surrender, surrender. That's what my spirit guides have continuously said to me. And I was always like, come on, come on, where's the to-do list? What is this surrender nonsense? Come on, don't give me that chip. What do you mean surrender? You know, what I understand that means now is emptiness. It means emptying your frame of everything so you can receive the messages. You know, the healing work I do is really more it's not, I don't heal people's medical and psychological problems. I, sure. I help them find understanding to what's bothering them in life. And, um, you know, I'm careful with it because sometimes people want me to heal like their son with Tourette's or whatever. And I can't do that. And right. I, I, I would wonder if anybody could. Sure. But my, my healing work is my experience in compassion. It's my experience in opening myself up to who this other person is and what they need from me and how I can serve them. And I get messages and I get ideas and I, you know, I bring the full package of what I have learned to do and the way I've been able to get in touch with that. And I'm still surrendering mm -hmm. is to surrender because every time I do this, I'm a little more surrendered. You know, it's, it's funny because you have to be willing to be really uncomfortable with the unknown. You know, you have to, you have to live with the possibility doing this work that you don't know what's going to come up. You don't really know what it is that you will be moved to say or 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 who you will bring forth or what they will be 
living with. So it's a continued unfolding. And I have to stay humble. I have to really be humble to do this. I cannot do this from an ego position. I have to do this from a place of being willing to celebrate this extraordinary golden essence in life and bring that goodness forth and bring that light forth. Yeah. And the only way to do it, of course, is to see it's there. And you can't see it's there if you're full of your to-dos. Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Let's Get Checked for sponsoring this podcast. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing super easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Well, testing for what, you might ask? Well, they have a huge array of at-home testing kits, including women's health, men's health, sexual health, and wellness kits. In fact, I did two of the women's hormone testing kits. And it could not have been easier. And then when I received the results, I was able to simply forward them onto my naturopath to get her thoughts. All you do is you simply choose your test online. It will be delivered to you in discreet packaging with next day delivery. And then once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. Once your results are available, they'll be reviewed by a physician, and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. And in some cases, a physician will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of your choosing. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. Let's Get Checked lets you avoid uncomfortable office visits by providing you with access to home testing and professional medical consultations without ever leaving your home. It has never been this simple to get tested. So get this. If you want to try a test from Let's Get Checked, all you got to do is go to trylgc.com slash bold truth to save a whopping 30% on your first test kit. 30%. Just use the code bold truth, all one word at checkout. That's bold truth to save 30% on your first test kit. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? Please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to amygreensmith.com dot com slash speaking where they can get in touch with me because listen, it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice, take up space and advocate for their wants, needs and opinions. 
like yesterday. And if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group, you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me. (laughs) And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. All right, let's get back to the show. So let me get your take on this, and you may or may not have any insight into this at all, but I had a situation with my father that was not too long after his passing, Mm -hmm. which I understand that tends to be the most potent time to communicate. I don't know if that's true or not. And I had a vision or a a dream where, and I, I could very clearly tell the difference between dreams that he was just in and then dreams that were actually like a legitimate visit where I felt like mm-hmm. it was him mm-hmm. coming to me to to say mm-hmm. stuff. And I remember saying, very similar to your experience with Teal, like, this sucks. Wait, wait. man, this is such a bummer. Like, I don't get to to connect with you as much. And I, I was very clear that I wanted to get questions answered. So I was like, can you, do you see me? Like, can you see me all the time? Because then I kind of went, shit, I don't, I definitely don't. I don't <laughs> want that. Access. <laughs> I don't want that. And he said, he said, I get glimpses of you the same way you get glimpses of me. And I said, okay, okay, cool. You know, well, man, I, I wish you were still on this plane of existence, you know? And and he said, well, the good news is you can always connect with me. The All you have to do is. <laughs> and then I woke up and I don't remember. And it feels like a movie. But then when I saw that you had said, you know, one of the things that we could chat about today is how to follow nods from our spirit guides, you know, or from the afterlife, I started wondering, like, I wonder if there's something I'm blocking that I could perhaps, I mean, I'm sure it is something I'm blocking that isn't part of surrender where I'm not able to connect with him. I do know, like Teal, that his soul was extremely busy. That's what I've been told is that he's got a lot of stuff that he's handling. Anyway, I, I'm curious what what you make of that or if you have any thoughts on that. What a blessing to have uh, what they would call a grief dream. Yeah. You know, there are these dreams that come in when you're grieving that give you a sense of connection to the deceased person. Not everybody gets those. So right. that's a great blessing. What I would say about it is you have more access than you realize. And consider this possibility, Amy. You're not supposed to get the instructions. You're supposed to use this as your opportunity to surrender, to open yourself up to maybe when I least expect it, I'll get a little nod from dad. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's how I connect with him. Maybe the way I connect with him is to pursue an activity that is something he cared about. One of the ways I connect with Teal is doing conversations like this about all the lessons I learned from her mm-hmm. and her death. You know, I just had a dream mm-hmm. of her two nights ago where I was um, worrying 
I was worrying about whether I was doing this work correctly. And, you know, you know, I've just launched the book and is it big enough? And am I, you know, I'm always like trying to get, I'm always trying to get like benchmark measurements from my higher power and my guides. And they're like, not (laughs) having it, you know? And um, so I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing this well enough. So Teal comes into my dream and she says, look, look, the phone is ringing. You're getting a call from Annie. I I don't know anybody named Annie. I'm not connected to any Annies. I thought maybe Annie salad dressing. I, I really didn't know. The next day, I got a call from a friend who wanted to connect me to two very high-profile book reviewers who both accepted my book. And it was just like, yeah, don't worry. The phone's ringing. And what was really cool about that dream is and this always happens in in these instructional dreams. There were there were symbols that were very important and subtle, and you might miss them if you're not looking. The phone was wrapped in gauze. It wasn't easy to see that where it was or who was on the screen. You know, it was all wrapped up, and I had to unwrap it. And what it told me is the vapors of my negative thinking were wrapping up my ability to see that help was coming in. Wow. So I'd say, write down every dream you have, write down and keep them in a special place because that's your instruction guide. Sometimes people have visions. I had a vision of the the bathroom and the house I was living in while I was grieving. It was my friend's house. And I dreamt of the bathroom door was closed and a great brilliant light was coming out around the edges of the door. This happened to me at like, you know, six o'clock in the morning. I was half awake. So I was still a little bit in a dream state, but I was not totally dreaming. And I saw this thing and it was the bathroom right next to the bedroom I was in. And I stood in front of the bathroom door in my mind and I said, Teal, are you in there? Because she had collapsed in a locked bathroom. Hmm. And she said, yes, I am in here. And I said, why won't you let me see you? And she said, because I don't want you to get distracted. (laughs) Very thoughtful. And then I said, what is it that you have to tell me? Now, this was about 14 months after her death, and I hadn't worked that whole period. And she said, you are whole and well and ready to go back to work. And a month later, I got a call from an investor who wanted to hire me on a writing project that I then did for eight years. So, you know, it was like she was releasing me. And that level of instruction is available to people, but they have to be willing to open themselves up to not getting an answer, to not worrying about whether they get an answer, to having it happen on spirit's time, not your time, and to having that answer show up in ways you may not understand at first. Yeah. You know, I was guided by Teal that I was going to meet someone named Rose who had an important book to share with me. And I was like, who's Rose? I have no idea where to find Rose. I was worrying, you know, some worrier. Oh my God, I won't be able to find Rose. There's an important book, you know. And I I wasn't paying much attention a few months later. And boom, in comes a woman I knew. I was up at a hot springs and this woman starts chatting with me. I couldn't remember her name. And and she's like, Oh, I heard about your daughter. I'm so sorry. And by the way, there's this book you should read. And I'm like, hmm, book. And she told me about it. And I'm like, please remind me of your name. And she said, Rose. And I look down on the ground and there's a little guitar pick, just like the ones Teal used to use wow. in front of us. So what I would say is follow the clues, people, because they're there. They're there. And you can ask, you can ask for a clue. You can say, mm-hmm. show me you're with me. 
Show me you're with me. You you have that ability, but you got to be loose and you got to let the clue show up when it's ready. It didn't show up for me in that case for several months. Yeah. We have to just become super humble with this. And that's what surrender's about. It will happen in God's time, spirit's time, the universe's time, however you yeah. hold that. Wow. Okay. So that's really helpful because I think there's, you know, now I look back at that and that was, you know, 16 years ago. And I feel like I didn't, I didn't open myself up or listen to the signs or I maybe even even have the capability to do that. Very, very good point. Very good point. I think we're all at these different levels of spiritual growth and integration and what we're open to. And and it's interesting because I did have one, uh, one psychic who a good friend of mine, her mom has these abilities. And she was like, I have a message for Amy. So she came and talked to me and she had said, you know, he's showing me a woman who is sitting in a chair and she's got it she's turned away from us. And that's my symbol that there's a maternal figure who is not open to this. And I was like, that's my mother. That's a hundred percent. My mom, he's saying, I'm going to Amy cause she's capable. Right. And she, and you know, that there were situations surrounding his death that if he would have lived, my parents would have incurred over a million dollars in medical bills. Um, they were like missionary families. So they had not much money. He would have had to give up his life's work and been on a ventilator. And my mom would have had to give up her work and she would have had to caretake for him. She doesn't have the best physical capacity to do that. And he was given the choice of like, you can stay and this is what your situation will look like, or you can go and here's what's possible. And because he passed on, my mom, the the hospital was so overwhelmingly upset about the loss that they wrote off a majority of the medical bills where my mom owed maybe 10 grand as opposed wow. to a million because of her her life insurance settlement she was able to pay off the home that she lived in with my dad and help my husband and I get into our very first house so there were sort of these cascading effects that i truly believe that he was kind of presented with here's the implications of if you choose to stay, if you choose to go. And he was telling me through the psychic, I chose to go. And I know Amy can hear that without taking that as a personal affront of, of I chose to leave you. But there was a very stark contrast that I have two younger brothers and my mom and they didn't want to hear jack shit about these experiences. And they were weirded out by it tremendously. Okay, so I'm really glad you mentioned that because this yeah. is not for everyone. Right. And no judgment. No judgment. It's like, look, the big thing is we have to raise our vibe to the place where we can receive the messages. And the things that kill our vibe, anxiety, fear, doubt, panic, worry, 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 worry. That's when I'm killing my vibe. And I've had to really learn how to dial back the worry. Addiction, overdoing, too much pressure on yourself or self-loathing of any kind. When we begin to use the desire to be operating at a higher frequency to overcome these problems, we evolve. We just naturally evolve. I definitely am a dramatically different person than I was before Teal's death. Sure. And, you know, I can go back to a place of worry and doubt. I just shared that dream you know, 
And when I when I do, I know that I am shutting myself off from the real joy in life. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't mention Teal left behind this wonderful journal. And for the year prior to her death, she kept receiving messages in her meditations. And she mentioned it to me. She said, I'm getting all these channeled messages and I don't know what to do with them. So I said, well, put them in a notebook, dear. That'll be nice. I know, didn't think about it. Well, let me tell you, I used that notebook a lot after her death because in it was so much good instruction and ideas about how to live in this place of higher vibe. You know, she wrote, this is just a little example, heartbreak is a learning process. You can get your heart broken a million times and not learn how to love again, or you can listen to your own heart and learn in a second. Wow. There's so much here. It says, give fearlessly and you shall never want. Live like you want others to live and your worries will disappear. Live like you want others to live. It's really such a practice, right? This is a spiritual practice. There's two things that I really wanted to ask you. I've been super open on the show about getting through some pretty significant religious trauma. Although I feel very solid in my perspective as sort of an agnostic atheist, I absolutely believe in a higher power and spiritual influence and a godlike energy that's separate from a dogma right? That's separate from like an actual religion. I'm curious for you, what has been your your history with religion slash spirituality? And were there, did you have to reconcile this anyway or have a reckoning with traditional religion? Here's how, here's how it went down for me. My parents were agnostics and uh, also homophobic. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. They were they were born in 1910 and 1918, and their generations did not support sure. completely being forward thinking about these things. What happened to me was that I love music and I'm a singer. And there was this church that all my friends sang at, and it was right behind my house. So I joined the choir one day and I came home and I told my mother and she said, oh, fuck, now we're going to have to go to church. <laughs> Oh, so, what I would have given <laughs> to have. <laughs> well, okay. So you had your, you know, heavily religious people. I had like the party yeah. and the party and folks who had yeah. other issues. Okay. But I didn't come out till I was 52 because I was too scared of what my mother would think. And by then she was 94 and in a um assisted living with severe dementia and really barely knew who I was. So it wasn't an wow. issue. You know, I never told her. I never told her. But that was kind of my my spirituality was born from my own questing. And I early on in my in my early 20s, maybe even my teenage years, I was drawn to meditation. Um, back then we had the S training in the 70s. And, you know, there was a lot of kind of learning from Zen koans and things mm -hmm. like that going on. And and I I became a big time meditator and as I mentioned earlier, um, I meditated for a couple hours every day, and I got in this gift to to trans channel. And then I became a person who always checked in with my psychics and my astrologers, and I've just kind of lived in the world of um, spiritual connection, if not religion. And in fact, when I went to the hospital, 
to find Teal in her collapsed shape, I was asked if she was spiritual. And I said, spiritual, not religious. Right. And I remember the woman in the hospital said, right on. <laughs> I was like, affirmation, right? Nice. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious with this too, just the, like you said, some people are so, I remember, Suzanne, I met this gal at a Halloween party and she was smoking and she was talking about how she wanted to quit smoking. And I said, well, I'm a hypnotherapist. We can absolutely do that. And she freaked out. She was so uncomfortable just with the idea of hypnotherapy. And I'm like, it's just the slowing down of your brainwave state. It's incredibly scientific. And I was so floored by that because I'm not used to be being around people who are so repelled by that. But I'm curious what your experience has been like with your wife. Like how mm. do you see visions for her? Do you see things for her? Or does she? Do you have to have boundaries around that where she's like, I'm not open to hearing that right now? What does that look like? I don't necessarily see other. I don't necessarily see visions for other people unless they ask me, like, okay. what do you what do you think about this? And Got I it. don't always see visions. So, I mean, I'm what they call claircognizant. Yes. So I get knowings and I yes. share information and that's been the basis of all my work. And I've been, you know, blogging now for 12, 14 years and I have hundreds and hundreds of blogs and doing my podcast and, you know, all of it has been very much tapping into that claircognizance and what I need to say to help somebody today. Right. So she and I communicate at a really high level, and she's a very, very wise person who is a former um, retired divorce attorney okay. who's helped a huge number of people. So her advice is like gold advice. You know, practical person in law school, you're taught uh, logic. That is sure. the basis of yes. legal training. So we're a really interesting mix because we both, we can meet in this place of love and compassion. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's, it's like love explained is destroyed, as as Rumi said. You know, <laughs> so yeah. I can't explain it beyond that. It's just, um, yeah. I oh, I mean, good. I don't go around like getting hits for people, but I do have this one friend who gets hits from Teal, and she's a big meditator as well. And P.S. If you haven't picked it up by now, my dear listeners, meditation is the on ramp to all mm -hmm. of this. She got this message one day and she called me up. She said, I have an urgent message from Teal. She said, I don't know what it means, but I see very, very rough, turbulent seas. Well, I was about to go to visit my friend Robert and walk in San Francisco near Ocean Beach where uh, wow. they had rough sea warnings. And that very afternoon, the alarm went off and somebody was pulled out because they had been sucked out to sea by a rogue wave. So instead of walking there, we walked around Stowe Lake in Golden Gate Park. So, you know, it's like that kind of stuff happens. And that's pretty cool, too. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I am. I'm very interested in the the various clairs, you know, the clairvoyance, the clairsentience, claircognizance. Mm -hmm. There's a fourth one, isn't there? Clairaudience. Audience. That's right. Yeah. That's when you right. hear when you hear things, I've had some experiences where I felt clairaudient with Teal's um, promptings. I don't know that I hear other people's guides, but I feel her sitting on my shoulder helping me help people. Yeah, you know, that's that. that's really, and it's, like I said, it's a cognizant. The sentience is interesting because some people, when they get it, it's like the person you were, mediums get this. And if you're wanting to connect with a dead loved one and they were, you know, they had a terrible accident that hit them in the chest or the heart, mm -hmm. they might 
the feel a clairsentient it. person would actually feel it in their body. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so fascinating. So f- I feel like I could continue to talk to you for hours, <laughs> which obviously we don't have. Um, but I would love it, it, as a practical tip for somebody out there going, okay, I love this idea. I feel like I have no idea where to start. I would love to be able to start picking up signs or connecting or communing with with energy or spirit or even figuring out who the hell my spirit guides are. Like, Mm -hmm. where does one start on this? That's a great, that is a beautiful question. And the way you start is to allow yourself to start become very, very still just for five minutes a day. Um, get into a meditation practice with some support. It's often very hard for us to just slow down and get still. Uh, I like Insight Timer. You can design your own timer so you can go as long or as, as short as you want. I really recommend that. Calm has a bunch of guided visualizations. There are you know meditation meditations all over the place. At the end of my podcast, I always do a two-minute slowing down meditation. That's where to start and then build it from there. And you get you get slightly longer and longer and longer. And it's not something you have to do perfectly. You just sit there with your eyes closed and try to empty your mind. And you might count your breathing. You might listen to a guided visualization. You might just listen to birds chirping. You might listen to nothing. You know, <laughs> it's up to you to design. The other thing I would say is really important is for people to empty their mind into journals. And one thing I've been really thinking about starting, and I haven't um, created it yet, though, is guided writing circle for people to do this, where you sit and you just spend time, you know, once a week, every day, whatever, just writing whatever's coming up, the flow for seven minutes, just Mm -hmm. dump it all on a page and see what happens. And you learn a lot about yourself. You learn, what do I need? What's out of balance? What has been worrying me that I'm trying to avoid, you know? That kind of stuff comes out because when you clear out the dreck and all that shit gets washed away, then you dissolve into a place of greater nothingness. Yeah. I think this is so it's such a great tool and uh, recommendation and something that I see with hypnosis in particular, which is basically meditation. It's pretty much the exact same thing with uh, the caveat that hypnosis usually has some sort of goal, um, but not always. But one of the things that I've noticed is that my best friend is this way. She's incredibly visual. So her sensory preference is, or I'm sorry, auditory is to hear things, to consume information, learn things audibly. So when she would do guided meditations, let's say, that had a lot of visual prompts, she felt like she was failing. She felt like she couldn't do it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the meditation was catering to a visual sensory acuity as opposed to an auditory one. So yep. I think what you said about meditation doesn't have to look a specific way. It gets to be, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but it gets to be of your own design. I think it's important to recognize that it can sh- it can look a, a ton of different ways. It can be just silence. It can be a guided process that you the visualization. It can be simple um, chanting and repeating mm-hmm. of phrases. It can be it can just be walking noise. It can be walking right, right, right. And I think that's one of the things that's important to kind of dispel because I think people think 
oh, I, I can't do that. And it's like, if you're a human, you can. It's just about <laughs> figuring out yeah. what your method is. So I really appreciate you talking about it being your own specific flavor. So, okay, where can people find you if they're interested in a healing, if they're interested in just learning more from you? I know you have an awesome podcast that I got to hang out on. Tell everybody all the things, where they can get the book, et cetera. Yep. All right. Well, it's all living at my website, which is Suzanne Falter, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-F like Frank, A-L-T-E-R.com, SuzanneFalter.com. And the book is called Free Spirited. So if you want to take a look or a listen, it's an ebook, paperback, an audiobook on Amazon. You just go into that search bar and you type in Free Spirited Falter, F-A-L. T-E-R. And that's the best way to find me. And I hope to connect with all of you who are interested. And your podcast specifically focuses a lot on self-care for extremely busy women. Is that the name? Yes. It's called uh, Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women. I wrote a book called The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care a few years ago. It came out. You know, this has been a big focus for me since Teal died. And the show is uh, very blessed to have Amy as a guest. Oh. And uh, yeah, we we had a great time recording that. Yeah. So yeah, come on over to Self Care for Extremely Busy Women. It's one of the biggest self care shows out there, and mm-hmm. and I'm very fortunate to have this wonderful flow of guests through my life. Oh, it's awesome! So great. Well, I hope I haven't interrupted you too much from getting back to your channeling because clearly you've got lots of work to do in this Apparently. world. <laughs> there's, there's there's things that must be written down and absorbed and integrated and you know, sucked into my soul. So let's go, everybody. (laughs) Well, I feel like it was divine intervention that our paths Mm -hmm. have crossed and I'm so grateful for you. Indeed. You too. I will let you go and I'll say, see you later, my friend. You too, Amy. Thank you. So much in that episode and so much vulnerability. I hope that it was enlightening and helpful for you to hear perhaps if you've had loved ones who've passed on and you know our culture doesn't really celebrate being able to connect spiritually really in in any way other than a religious way so i think this allows us to understand the breadth of the human spirit and that it can transcend all sorts of different planes of existence. And if you got a little something out of this, I would love to hear from you. If you scoot over to Instagram, where I hang out the most, you can find me under the handle Hey Amy Green Smith, and just find the latest meme for this particular episode and let me know what you got out of it or what kind of was an aha moment for you. I'd really, I'd really love to connect and hear your story. All right, y'all. We will be back in your feed next week with another brilliant, brilliant episode from another spiritual healer. Please do not miss it. And please also remember that you are enough and your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Peace. Okay, wait, 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 just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye.